Hey leaders, before we get into this episode, I wanted to tell you about a free event that I'm hosting, your personal leadership audit live workshop. I've put the workshop together because if you want to stand out as an exceptional leader, you have to know yourself inside and out. Understanding your strengths and weaknesses is critical. And for that, you need a high degree of self-awareness and a commitment to self-reflection. Now, if you're committed to unlocking your leadership potential, then working through a self-assessment like this is going to help you to quickly identify a path to higher impact. I'll be leading you through a deep dive into the seven imperatives of my No Bullshit Leadership Framework, so that by the end of the session, you'll know exactly what areas you need to develop if you really want to stand out from the crowd. We're only opening up 150 spots, so register now at yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. That's yourceomentor.com forward slash workshop. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more. Access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 152 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, Managing Your Career, with special guest Laurie Ruderman. We get so many questions from listeners about career management and progression. How do I know when it's time to leave my job? How do I secure my next role? How do I prepare for an interview? How do I know if a company is right for me? Now, I normally shuffle these to the back of the pack, purely because I always feel as though career management and job search isn't my sweet spot. Leadership is. 
but due to popular demand, I've relented to do an episode on this very hot topic. Now, to make sure I have all of the ground covered, I've asked a special guest to join me, Laurie Ruderman. This is actually Laurie's sweet spot. She's an XHR professional who became disillusioned with how organisations worked and chose to go out on her own to make a real difference. Laurie spends her time in personalised coaching, uh, executive recruiting and training, and organisational consulting to solve people-related hurdles. Her recently released book, Betting on You, How to Put Yourself First and Finally Take Charge of Your Career, is a fabulous guide to all things job and career-related. I had a great conversation with Laurie, and I know you're going to get heaps out of it. So let's get into it. So welcome, Laurie Ruderman. Well, Marty, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Now, Laurie, we met, um, well, it'd be almost a couple of years ago now uh, in your hometown of Raleigh, North Carolina, and I was a guest on your podcast back then, which was uh, Let's Fix Work, now Punk Rock HR. That's going really, really well, isn't it? Marty, it's a joy to be a podcast host because I just sit back and let people be brilliant. It's very difficult to be in the hot seat, and you did a great job on my show, so thank you for that. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. And and today I'm going to ask a lot of you in terms of your brilliance, because as I said, this isn't my sweet spot. Uh, And I really want to focus down on your book because having read it, it's fantastic. I loved it. Congratulations. It's brilliant. Well, thank you so much. You know, it's a labor of love. And you, as an upcoming author of your own book, know that you put your heart and soul into something and you release it in the marketplace and you don't know what's going to happen. And it turns out COVID happened when I launched my book. But what a perfect time to talk about pivoting and rethinking your career and really, you know, living a new life. Why did we survive a pandemic if not to do things differently? So that's the spirit in which I'm marketing the book and it's going well. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And, and of course, you know, we hear about things like the big quit going on in the US at the moment uh, and all sorts of other uh, disruptive things that are happening in the labor market. So let's get straight into it. Um, I love some of the quotes in your book. They're just fantastic and uh, made me smile all the way through. I love the one that says, nobody likes conflict, which means the person who kisses ass the best is rewarded the most. (laughs) That sounds cynical, but have you found any exceptions to that rule? Well, Marty, a good rule always has exceptions, right? So I think it is true that in most organizations, people are rewarded for nodding their head and supporting the status quo. But the exception are those individuals who are self-leaders, who lean into individual accountability, who step from a place of learned helplessness into a state of ownership and say, you know what? I believe in myself. I have faith in my knowledge, skills, and abilities. And if that means having a difficult conversation, I'm not going to personalize it. I'm moving into the the space of self-leadership to really move the organization forward, move these big ideas forward. So yeah, people who are self-leaders are absolutely the exception, but they're also the exception to the rule. They don't exist very often, which is why I wrote my book to help people realize that if they have a dream, the only person that can make that dream happen is them. Sure, sure. And when you say they don't, uh, they don't happen very often, would you be prepared to put a number of percentage on that in terms of, you know, I, I quite often say that even though I've worked with some absolutely brilliant people, capable, experienced, intelligent, strategically thoughtful, uh, I've worked with very, very few great leaders. I can count them on one hand over my 35 plus year career. 
Yeah. You know, um, all consultants are masters in the art of fake statistics. So <laughs> I would like to tell you that, I don't know, 10% of people are equipped to be true leaders or even self-leaders, but I don't have a good number with that. But what I do know from my own experience in leading large-scale transformation, working with executives, is that it's a rare soul who's brave, who knows oneself and knows where they're headed. A lot of times people are just kind of faking it till they make it. And I don't hate that. I did that for many years in my career, as I wrote about in my book. But I think we have an opportunity now to pause, reflect, think, and then act. And that's what I believe in. That's the kind of behavior that's going to change the world and transform leadership. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and mentioning that fake until you make it thing, Laurie, that does stick in my craw, I've got to tell you. Um, there's always got to be a period of time for growing into a role, and I'm convinced about that. But you can't fake it for five years and think that that's okay. So there's certainly a, a time aspect to that for me. You know, Marty, I'd love to hear your opinion on this because so many individuals do the fake it till they make it, but they really talk themselves out of success. You know, they have imposter syndrome. They walk around thinking I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, yeah, you're right. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. And they almost <laughs> become their own career impediment. So I bet you see that in many organizations where you work. And it's almost difficult to coach somebody out of this place of self-doubt, only they can coach themselves. But I don't know, what's your experience with that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very similar, Laurie. I think um, that for me, the real skill and nuance of leadership is being able to get people to put that aside and show them how to stretch themselves and how to perform. So instead of hiding behind this uh, facade of, I want to seem as though everything's okay, even though I feel this crushing panic inside of me, um, I, I think the thing about leadership is drawing them out of that, getting them to go beyond that and say, take a risk. Um, uh, you know, stretch yourself, be brave, and I'm going to put a safety net underneath you in case you fall off the trapeze. I think that's really the key thing. Yeah. So they feel safe to do that. Uh, in a lot of organizations, the stretch isn't put there because people don't feel safe to stretch. They'd rather hide. Really well said. You know, if only more organizations would listen to us, Marty, we would change the world. Come on now. <laughs> hey, we are changing the world, Laurie. That's okay, right? Now, let's, let's get into some specific questions that we get really, really regularly from our listeners. One is, how do I know when it's time to leave my job? How do I know when it's all over Red Rover and it's, I've just got to cut my losses and move on? Hmm. You know, Marty, I've spent my entire life looking for signs and I've been disappointed. I think there's no heavenly sign that comes down and tells you it's time to go. They're only your observations, your feelings, and your gut instinct. And if your gut instinct tells you, I don't have any place to go, any place to grow, anybody who mentors me, anybody who challenges me, I don't think you need a sign. You have common sense and your own felt wisdom to make some good decisions. I think what I'm often surprised by are intelligent people who pay mortgages, raise children, went to university, who come to me saying, I don't know what to do. I haven't had a conversation with my boss in six months about my performance. I'm like, if you don't know what to do, I don't know what I'm going to do for your career. <laughs> you know, exactly. I think listening to ourselves, paying attention to obvious signs is a sign of emotional regulation and adulthood. I want more of that in the workplace. And if I have to just badger you into being an adult through my book or through my coaching, I'm happy to do that. But ultimately, the decision is yours. You know, Marty, what do you think about people who wait for signs? 
Yeah, I, I think, well, I think there is divine intervention at some points, but waiting for someone else to give you a clue is not the way to create action and to create results. So um, critical in my view is just take accountability for yourself. Um, and when we talk about being your own HR, which I want to get onto in a minute, um, no one is ever going to care about your career as much as you are. It's just a fact. And so if you don't take control of that and decide that you're going to do something differently and that you're going to take responsibility for doing the things that you need to do to move forward, well, you, you can't sit around and bitch and moan because someone else isn't doing it for you. No, that's really well said. You know, a lot of people tell me that this is easier said than done. And I go, yeah, no kidding. That's why so few people do it. That's why greatness <laughs> is hard to come by. But if you take a risk, if you put yourself first, the chances are greater than that you're going to succeed that you ever expect. This can absolutely happen. But to your point, Marty, nobody can do it for you. And, you know, the consequence of this is that you might fail, but what, are you going to be homeless? No. Are you going to get kicked in the face by somebody? No, no. You may take a career step back. You may be a little embarrassed. You'll get over it. But if you don't try, you will never know. And that's the point that I make in my book, in my coaching, even in my consulting with organizations that are like, I don't know, this is a big step. Do we invest in these cloud-based you know, solutions? It's like, no, you don't have to invest in the cloud. You can still store all of your data in the C drive in a closet, but the risk <laughs> is that somebody comes in and wipes all that out, you know? So, I mean, yeah. uh, there's no clear, clear path. We find our own paths, but I would encourage more people to take risks. I mean, why the hell not? Come on. Yeah, totally, totally. And one of the things about um, uh, being your own HR, you talk about um, handling your own onboarding in an organization. Um, and I talk about this slightly differently, but it's exactly the same concept as taking responsibility for you when you go into a new role or you're promoted to a new level for you to work out what that means and, and understanding the new context and working to understand the new context. What are some of the tips that you have for onboarding yourself into a new role or into a new organization? Well, so many organizations are now obsessed with onboarding, but it's all process. It's all, you know, pre-boarding and making sure the paperwork's done. And then you show up virtually and you have your agenda filled for the day. And I think all of that's very healthy and necessary, but I think we have to take individual accountability for our own experiences. So one thing I like to recommend, and, you know, not everybody loves this idea, but if you're joining a team you really ought to stalk the hell out of your team and get to know them before day one. In fact, you should be doing this during the interview process, but if you haven't, get to know what they like, what they don't like, because business is based on relationships. And the first year of your job anyway is all about establishing the fact that people can like you, they know who you are and what you stand for, and they trust that you're going to do what you say you're going to do. So given all of that, the only way you can really convince people is by getting to know them, establishing these relationships. So even though the Europeans hate when I say this, go online, get to know somebody, or if something's mentioned in a conversation, a favorite football team, a favorite brand, a favorite musician, get to know more about that individual identity so that when you show up on day one, you can actually be a little relatable. And isn't that what life is all about, Marty? Whether it's work or just humankind, we want to be relatable. We want community. So do your part, whether it's onboarding or just getting to know people in a new community. Yeah, that's a, that's a great tip because um, the relationship element of it is grossly underrated in terms of team and individual performance. 
uh, and focusing on that first up, I guess, is an absolute no regrets move. So yeah, great tip there, Laurie. I want to know from you, what's a good tip for onboarding as an individual contributor showing up on day one? How do you tell people to prepare for that first day? Yeah, well, what I do normally is that I say, ask yourself the questions that are going to establish what your role is. Now, you've got a position description or the equivalent. Um, you'll have the values that you can look at on the on the website or the wall of the foyer in the corporate headquarters. But to understand what your role is, it's really about understanding what groups you're part of, what relationships you need to form that are important to you in terms of peer relationships, who's in your team and what, uh, uh, what success looks like in terms of value creation, what your boss expects from you, what time horizon you should be working at and, and focusing on. All of these things are intrinsic to understanding what the role is and what success looks like, and then explicitly agreeing that with your boss, with your peers, with your team. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's where I'm going to focus. Here are the things that we need to achieve to be successful. And so it's a very explicit process of asking yourself the questions, finding answers, and then testing those with those around you who are going to judge your performance from their perspective. I love it. I can see why we're friends. And also, I'm going to worry a little bit about my job as a career advisor <laughs> because you're quite good at this. <laughs> yeah, it's part of leadership, right? So we talk about being promotable and not being concerned about making yourself redundant, but making yourself promotable as a trusted advisor and someone who can go to the next level and understands how to do that. Uh, so that's a really, really key part. But look, we were talking about job search as well in terms of stalking people in your job search phase so that you can actually learn about them and learn about who you're going to have to build relationships with. Uh, what are the biggest mistakes you see being made in this job search phase where people are looking for a new role, either they're still in the one they're currently in and they're attached to it, or they're out in the market looking for it with no job? What are the biggest mistakes you see people make? Well, I don't think people are curious enough about the organizations where they're applying to. So they may know an industry, they may know a company, but they're relying on surface level internet searches to understand what the company offers and who they employ. And I'm an old school recruiter and I believe in secondary references, going behind the scenes, trying to you know unbuild the engine yeah. and dig a little deeper. So really talking to people you like, know, and trust about a company, about a brand, about a leader, trying to understand who they are in the good moments, but also who they are in the challenging moments, because every organization has peaks and valleys. And if you can't find that data or you don't have a good data point, ask during the interview process. Like, don't be afraid to go deep, because after all, you are a consumer of work. And, you know, the power differential is changing, especially here stateside. So take this opportunity to really go deep and understand where you're going to be spending 50 to 60 hours a week for the next couple of years. So the biggest yeah. mistake is that superficial research that most candidates do. Oh, absolutely. You've so hit the nail on the head there because um, when we're in job search mode, we are optimistically geared to seeing this prospective employer or prospective organization as being fantastic. And we've got the rose-colored glasses on and it's really hard to convince ourselves that there's going to be as much ugly there as there is in our last organization. Uh, so really, really good advice there, Laurie. I really wish I would have taken my own advice earlier in my career had I only asked my supervisors, you know, what would some previous employees say about you? Or on your worst day, what is that like? Yeah. Or, you know, have you ever had a crisis at work? And what did that look like? And what do you wish you could have done differently? If I had just dug a little bit deeper, I think I might have made some different career decisions. <laughs> but instead, again, to your point, I was this 
sentimental optimist, like, oh, it's going to be great this time. And what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. That was me and my job search, just taking people at face value and going, okay, here's the offer letter. Where do I sign? Yeah. So I've learned the hard way to go a little deep. And, you know, again, that's part of leadership, hearing what you don't want to hear and still making a good decision anyway. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, Laurie, just to finish off, uh, something I love in your book is how to leave an organization and negotiate an exit, which I just love. Now, my view was always you don't get a good exit on the way out. You get a good exit on the way in when you negotiate a really firm contract that gives you options. And so I've always had this view that if you haven't done that on the way into an organization and got yourself a great employment contract, then it's really hard on the way out to have any leverage. But you have a really fail-proof technique for this that I absolutely love. Do you want to share that, please, with the audience? Sure, sure. I mean, this is a nuanced technique that I've used over and over again with my clients. And Marty, to your point, if you don't negotiate on the way in, it is very difficult to negotiate on the way out. But so many people don't know that they can ask for more. So many people have no idea what executives bake into their contracts. And technically, we're all executives of our own lives. And so if you're in a position where you have nothing and you would like to leave an organization, you can look at the job you're doing today and try to understand, is it the same job that you were doing when you were hired? And if it isn't, you can look around your organization and you can see, are they laying people off? Are they laying people off because positions have been redundant? Can I somehow fold myself into this effort? So through the book, I take people step by step through some of the language that they could use. I also recommend that they talk to an employment lawyer. But you better believe that your chief marketing officer, your chief sales officer, anybody who is in the C-suite or even at a vice president level or a director in Europe is definitely leaving with some money in their pockets you should try to. And I think that's the most important thing to say. What, what are they going to do? At worst, they're going to say no. They may walk you out the door, but you are leaving anyway. And I think there's something really beautiful and brave in saying to an organization, you know, you made a promise when I started here. This is what the job looked like. I'm doing something differently. Let's find a win-win solution so that when I leave, it's a smart transition but it's planned. And that's the most yeah. important thing. Yes, absolutely. And that's great advice. I love it. Uh, and there were so many little gems in that book. I loved it. So for our audience, betting on you, how to put yourself first and finally take control of your career by Laurie Ruderman. It's a fantastic read and I can't recommend it highly enough. Laurie, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sure our audience got a heap out of that. Um, some great little tips from someone who's been on the front line of HR for lots of years. Uh, and of course, now the work you're doing over there is fantastic. And I certainly will catch up with you as soon as I'm in the US. Laurie Ruderman, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait, Marty. It'll be great to see you in real life again. All right. So that brings us to the end of episode 152. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this with your leadership network, rate and review it if you're on Apple. I look forward to next week's episode where I'm going to do another Q&A with them. Until then, I know you'll take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. <laughs>